listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. Welcome to episode 161 of the Atlanta Hawks podcast, where we only talk about the Atlanta Hawks and nothing else, because what else is there to talk about? I mean, sometimes there's like a Chick-fil-A thing, but that's really it. Well, maybe I'm not the person to talk about Chick-fil-A with. Perhaps. I don't think that would be appropriate. One thing I will say, speaking of fried food, uh, the varsity's bad. So if this was an actual Atlanta Hawks podcast, I don't know what that would mean for me. I'm kind of glad we don't really have to find out. Um, well, the other thing I could say is that Waffle House is overrated, too. Come at me, people. I'm from New Jersey. Waffle House is overrated. Anyway, we're talking about the Atlanta Hawks and Southern things because, well, if you're a Maryland alum in the NBA, it's pretty much official you now play for the Atlanta Hawks. Unless you're Jake Lehman, in which case maybe you'll be traded to the Atlanta Hawks one day. Do you think Travis Schlank had a deal with, uh, with our friend Kevin Plank? about drafting every Maryland alum that has come out into the NBA in the last, well, two years and then signing the free agents? So I think the crazy thing is that the Hawks, uh, since the draft, have unofficially um, traded Kent Bazemore for Evan Turner from Portland. But, like, that's the wrong Portland small forward. This is correct. It is the wrong Portland small forward. Like, I don't know. If they somehow did a slightly different deal where they got someone else in layman, we would have we would be four for four. It would be over. <laughs> well, the other thing that they don't have is Steve Blake on their coaching staff. No, uh, that is the Phoenix Suns now. Sorry about that, Steve. I mean, he took it. So he did take it, and he's awesome. But you know, the Suns are kind of what's the word I'm looking for? Bad. Let's go with bad. Um, let's focus on Bruno Fernando because this was an interesting night for him. I was watching the draft solely because of him and to see where he was drafted. He was 34th overall, looked like he was going to be drafted by the Sixers. I'm like, oh, does this mean now I get to go to watch the Delaware 87ers, whatever the heck they're called? They used to be called the Delaware Bluecoats. They might be called them now, I don't actually remember, uh, to go see him play because that would be great. And then I come back from, you know, not watching the draft for about 15 minutes, and then, oh, he's traded to the Hawks because, of course, he was. Yeah, I mean, the draft is so weird because of that because they don't, you know, they'll trade picks, but the guy still has to wear their hat. Like, he was going to be a Hawk when, like, before they drafted him. Like, that was kind of the Sixers drafting for the Hawks somehow. Like, whatever whatever the case is, like, it was kind of known then that he was going to Atlanta. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, that that's kind of just the weird thing of the draft. And as far as, you know, 34th overall, second round is obviously a little frustrating when – you're expected to go in the first. Um, I think, you know, the, it was just not a great night for centers. Um, as you saw with Bull Bull going all the way to the middle of the second round. If you had told somebody couple... before the year started that Bruno Fernando would have been drafted ahead of Bull Bull, you would have been laughed out of the room. Yeah. Well, they're and... different players, and Bull Bull has injury concerns that you always worry about with centers, which Bruno Fernando I mean, he's got, like, the, the most lethal... Um, Injury concerns, like a big man with foot injuries. Is... Greg Oden, basically. Yeah. By the way, just at a brief aside, did you see that tweet going around uh, a couple of days ago where it was like, who's the one athlete you could, if you could erase all their injury history, would you erase it for? 
which caught fire on Twitter. I don't know what the Maryland answer for that would be. I have my personal answer for my other teams, but I don't know what the Maryland answer would be. The entire 2013 quarterback room. 2012. 2012. Yeah. 2012. I don't Just think it would have helped. It's Randy Edsel. No, it really only would have helped so much. But that's the first thing that comes to mind. Maybe, answers, please tweet maybe Kasim or Pigram in 17. That maybe, but I mean, that's just more recent. There's got to be other answers, yeah. like going way back in time. And I bet the diehard Maryland fans who listen to the show, at Testudo Times or at Thomas or I on Twitter, you could put comments us. on this podcast. Maybe that too. Whatever the answer is in a Maryland sense, please let me know. By the way, what a great day for Randy Edsel on a Saturday, I think it was, when uh, he tweets, I know nothing when it's UConn leaving the AAC to go to the Big East. As an aside yeah. or an aside. Yeah. Oh, what I mean, a great day for Randy Edsel. You know, his Twitter game isn't isn't bad for to his credit. That's the most surprising thing about Randy Edsel is that he's somewhat competent on Twitter. Yeah. Because you would have ever imagined that. You know, you got to adjust with the times in some way or another. Well, normally the times go on and then people like mm -hmm. that don't adjust, but... Okay. Sorry about the aside of an aside of an aside. That is the Testudo Times podcast in a nutshell, but back to Bruno. Uh, he goes 34th overall to the Hawks in a trade that hasn't yet officially been announced, but we all know is happening. You can't announce it because in the NBA, for some reason, you can't announce trades until the league year starts, which, again, makes no sense. I don't know why the NBA does it. They need to change that rule immediately. It makes draft night incredibly awkward. But in terms of Bruno actually playing for the Hawks. So, yeah. So, um, I mean, and more importantly with, you know, Herter, who was a college teammate of his. Yes. And, Kevin you know, those guys were. on Twitter when that, when that dropped. Yeah. I mean, Herter, by the way, was like on the stadium, um, like, draft show. So, you know, it was him, Jeff Goodman, Jerry Stackhouse, the new Bandy head coach. Oh, Jerry Stackhouse. By the way, if you're wondering what stadium is, it's the thing that's going to control all the sports networks if you live in, like, well, Atlanta. It's what the Hawks games are going to be broadcast on very shortly. They're buying the Fox Sports RSN, if you didn't know that. So, yeah. so like, Kevin Herter is also very good on TV, and he's better at basically this than uh, we are. This is so, correct. Um, but I, I think they stopped recording after the first round, so I didn't get to see, like, Herger's reaction to Fernando. Fernando's reaction was everything that, you know, you really, I don't want to say hope for, like you don't want to see him cry, but you understand it and you, you really feel it. Um, he's just had such an incredible journey from Angola to Florida to committing to SMU to coming to Maryland to becoming what he's become. And, you know, to now be reunited with Kevin Herger, um, go to Atlanta to really one of the more interesting teams from that, you know, these last few drafts, like they could have potentially a starting lineup, but they'll probably run out the lineup at some point of like their first, uh, five first rounders from the last three drafts. It's Trey young, John Collins and three different six, seven wings Herder, Deandre Hunter and Cam Reddish. And like, it's just such an interesting team. And, um, you know, I'm intrigued to see just how it how it grows because normally it's the young teams don't usually win right away, but like we saw with the Thunder a few years ago, like things can happen. Like we'll say this: the Hawks were bad last year, but they were actually trying to somewhat win, as opposed to plenty of other NBA teams who were bad and weren't trying to win. So, congratulations to the Hawks for trying. 
But now, I mean, if it was already cemented that you were going to watch the Hawks because of Kevin Herter, and Kevin Herter is legitimately becoming a, a big-time player, now you're watching because for the off chance that Bruno Fernando plays, and I don't know what his development track's going to be like. I'm presuming he's going to play in summer league for the Hawks now that every team has summer league teams. Uh, yeah, he'll be in summer league. I mean, pretty much every draftee is in summer league. I, I would I personally expect Fernando to end up on the Hawks roster and not in the G League. Um, but if he, like, doesn't, if his development's kind of slow in the summer and he starts in the G League, like, that'll be fine. By the um, way, do you know what the name of the Atlanta Hawks G League affiliate is? I told you before we started recording the show, and you laughed. Well, I think the, the funniest part is that it's in College Park, Georgia. This is correct. The now, other College Park. They're about so College Park feet. really is the feeder, t- t- you know, feeder system for the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, by the way, College Park, Georgia, next door to the airport. Mm-hmm. In case you didn't know that. They're called the College Park Skyhawks. You need to look at their logo. It might end up going up in the post because their logo is hysterically terrible. I think it looks like something you would have seen on Ren and Stimpy, if you know what I'm referring to. But uh, he could end up playing there at some point. We hope not, but Bruno Fernando playing in College Park again. It's just too much symmetry. It's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, just the logo for what it, you know, what, for what it is, it's also not entirely different from our logo, you know, with the animal in the middle and the sort of the, the ring around it um the hawks have that too but they're there's like this abstract art kind of thing pac-man yeah it's pac-man um it's like pac-man but like if you look closely it's actually a hawk um it yeah it's, it's just a very got rid of it and now they brought it back because everything that's old is new again yeah so just as, as far as the team like fernando i think is a very good fit in that in what they're trying to do um every team needs probably one bruiser inside and i think fernando has a chance to become that um you know i don't know if he's gonna they probably won't need him to start because they can probably start john collins at the five and get away with it he's kind of a four or five hybrid um but yeah you could in theory start collins and fernando together or fernando comes off the bench has more of a bruiser um, but he showed a lot of playmaking uh in college park as well so there's there's just a lot of potential for him, and I, I I really do like the fit. And that's even before you get to the whole familiarity with Kevin Herter really, really easing the transition. That's going to help him out a lot. He's, uh, you know, he, he's been good with transitions, obviously, from Angola to Florida to Maryland. is a pretty, you know, steep transition, a steep learning curve, and now you're going to another place. But when you have somebody who you played with and you know pretty well, that definitely also helps. Ed, I mean, he only could have gone to one place. And Alex Lenz, a natural mentor for him, too. Yes, this is also true. And like, about as natural of a mentor as you could find. Well, maybe you don't want him to necessarily have Alex Lenz's NBA career, but... No. Beyond the actual on-the-court stuff, just like transitioning into being a professional and also being, you know, a big foreign center that played at Maryland and had a lot of success... It's a pretty good fit, and unfortunately, that means we now all have to watch the Hawks a lot more. We said that last year, and it was like, yeah, they're fun, but they're bad. And this year, they'll be a little bit better. They probably still won't be very good. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those where, like, you remember the the Sonic slash Thunder when they got Durant and then Westbrook and then Harden. Um, and I think it might have been the year they got Harden. It might have been the year after where, like, all of a sudden they were good. And so, I mean, for a team like that, like, it can happen quick if it happens. And... You know, this team has a chance, especially in the East. They are playing in a division where no one's good, so that also helps. <laughs> well aware. I mean, they could play in a division where they win 38 games and win it. 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't know what the rule is. There's like Well they reseeded because they don't they don't a... have to do a top four from the division. No, um, they reseed they reseed now based on just overall record, so the division winner could still end up being eighth in the conference. But I'm pretty sure division winner still gets an automatic berth. Yeah, I think so. But like it, ha- it hasn't it hasn't come year. to that. It hasn't come to that. But if it if it's gonna come to it, it, it it's might. gonna be this year. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Hawks could win the division with 35 wins. <laughs> that would be the best thing ever. Hey, Orlando might get to like 43. They could, maybe. Miami could hang around. I doubt it. Whatever the case. Whatever the case, we're only focused on the Hawks here because it's actually a Hawks podcast. Did I ever mention that their organist is spectacular? Yeah, you get the organist, then you get hot sauce. Yeah, I mean, the organ, I've been to Hawks games. The organist is amazing. That's the best part legitimately of Hawks games. I mean, it's now, now that the basketball's fun, it was a little bit different when I went. It was a couple years ago, and the Hawks weren't nearly as fun yet. But now they're going to be more fun, and you got the organist too. And you have the Terps and hot sauce and all of that. Have we heard yet whether they're building a new second branch of Bentleys in Atlanta to, you know, accommodate the growing Terp population? Um, I don't know yet. I think we'll uh, we'll see, especially if, if Herder and Fernando kind of stick around for a while. We might have to. If they produce a shirt with those two on it, I think we're all contractually obligated to buy it. Yes. Man, I can't believe that we're all now. Does paying. Len get on the shirt? Yeah, he should. But, yeah. I mean, if you did it with just Herter and Fernando, then guarantee you every Maryland fan would buy it. Yeah. We could sell it, and we could sell a good number of them. All right, I'm going to leave and do that. Be right back. Yeah, well, being, speaking of selling things, uh, we're going to do that right about now, and then we're going to get into football recruiting stuff, because even though it's technically a bit of a dead zone for recruiting, six commitments. We'll be back right after we pay our bills. How was that ad? Was it good? It was fun. I enjoyed it. I really hope it's a, a good ad and not something completely random. The last one wasn't random, so we'll, you know we'll see. We will see what ends up happening. I listened to the ad when we recorded the show, and then when I was putting the episode up, I think it was for some other podcast. I don't actually remember. Yeah, it was for, uh, I think, our friends at Shutdown Fullcast. That was pretty good. That's definitely a good one. You should definitely be listening to that. Uh, sometimes finish you, this one first. Yeah, but. of course. Once you finish this one, then listen to all the other podcasts at SB Nation. If you have that much time in the day, and you really are a podcast junkie, and you all should be, because podcasts are amazing, and you can support your friends who make them. Uh, let's get into football now, uh, because normally, as we say, this is not the busiest time in the football recruiting world, except for Maryland. Half of your recruiting class commits in the span of two weeks. Who knew? Yeah. So uh, you know this. These last couple of weeks were the end of sort of the live period. We're in a dead period now, um, so coaches can't like have much as much face-to-face contact with recruits like they can't go to their schools or whatever. Um, so that's for the next month. But in the last couple of weeks, yeah, Maryland's had six commits, and it's been it's been pretty hectic. Uh, two running backs. They hadn't had a running back commit since Anthony McFarland. They haven't needed who, one to be fair. No, they haven't. Um, they were after. Uh, a couple in the 2018 class you know they they were trying to add one but they were i think fine not adding one they had two guys committed last cycle but both decommitted um after all this stuff happened it's a good way of putting it yeah um and so they ended up you know without uh, a signee 
in, in that class as well. But, you know, these two guys, the first one, um, Ebony Jackson from Marietta, Georgia. Speaking of Atlanta. Yeah. It I mean, all comes he became, back to Atlanta. It really all does. And then, so he became the highest rated commit in this Maryland class when he committed. He's a high three star. He's about 8,800 on the. 24/7 sports composite 17 on 24/7. Yeah. I have it open right. Which now. is like which is like pretty good. It's not what you want your best recruit in the class to be and now they got a better one. So they got another running back, uh Penny Boone from Detroit. Which When is the last time Maryland's had a football commitment from Michigan? I don't know if it's certainly so, in my time following this team, I've never seen that before. So it's it's a little tricky. Uh Bryce and Ryan Brand are from Michigan, but went to school in Arizona. And Ryan was at Air Force, and he was a walk-on. Yeah, so that so Bryce, doesn't count. Bryce Brand is from Michigan, but went to high school in Arizona. So, like, he's the last one, technically. Um, the last I mean, one like, that they got. recruited out of Michigan. Yeah. I think, I think I saw it on one of the stories when he committed. It was, like, you know, almost a decade ago. Yeah, that's not a place where Maryland goes. And I can understand why you might want to go there. Because you are now in the Big Ten, and you do want to have somewhat of a foothold. But Oh, there's talent there. It's just that, you know, Michigan and Ohio State and Michigan State gobble up most of the really good prospects. As you would expect. But this this Penny Boone, love the name, by the way, he is I, a, also a very high three-star. Yes, yeah, so he was actually like a composite four-star when he committed, and he, he's dipped down to three. And I think there's a chance both guys end up back at four. There's a chance a handful of guys that are high threes right now end up as fours. Um, we'll see. You know, recruiting ratings are weird. It doesn't matter as much in the long run. But I mean, it matters to some people. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's sort of an arbitrary line between being a three star and being a four star. Um, you know, it's not like the evaluation changes a ton. Both of these guys are pretty highly regarded. And they're good additions, but there's like there's a lot more. Um, Four other guys. So the first guy on this list, who I think was a little bit after we did our last podcast, uh, Bo Braid. He's from Clarksville, Maryland. He's a safety, sort of an eight, eighty-five, sixteen on the composite. And then Tarheeb St- Still, a quarterback from uh, Sticklerville, New Jersey, not too far away from where I live. Yeah. And, and when you say that name, it's title at sometimes I can tell you that. And when you say the name, just like Tar Heel still, like it just, you if you say it too say fast, Tar-Heel. if you say it too fast, it's Tar Heel. Yeah. Well, For better or worse. So Maryland's gotten recruits from Michigan and a guy who, if you slip up, you're going to call him Tar Heel. Yeah. Um, we're bringing the ACC back, even though we're in the big 10. And then two other commits, Shane Mosley, a quarter, a corner from, Havertown, Pennsylvania. He's the younger brother of Jordan Mosley, who was a Maryland commit a couple cycles ago. Mm-hmm. He is a rising sophomore. He was he played really all over the place. I think he's he's he practiced with the safeties in the spring. He could play strong safety, free safety, whatever the role, um, you know, whatever they need him to do is with uh, Antoine Richardson out. He's he's been a guy that they've they've talked about. We'll talk more about Mosley when we get to sort of defensive backs and safeties week over at this theater times that's a little while away we're still on still on offense still on wide receivers um well, and shane mosley at this point too yeah and then 
Yeah, so I mean, Shane Mosley, he's a little lower rated, but you know, he's a camp offer, um, and so is Nick DeGener- Nick DeGenero. The he's he's listed as an athlete, but he's a you know he's a wide receiver commit. Uh, both of those guys are camp offers, but so like a lot of those are you know lower rated players. They're both pretty low three lower three stars, but you know camp offers is certainly a level of confidence from from the coaching staff and you know it's a little too early to tell how much we need to trust this coaching staff but i think they're you know loxley staff is probably worth putting trust in as far as um, which guys they really want to offer out of those camps by the way nick DeGeneral from princeton yeah princeton you never would have thought that one was coming maryland princeton uh, we don't need to get into New Jersey-related things. That's not a topic for now. But let's get actually into a Michael Oxley discussion. I saw Jeff Ehrman bring it up on Twitter a couple of the days ago, and I think it's worth talking about now when you, you focus on football recruiting and you thought when he was hired, all the coaches in the area are like, it's great that Mike Oxley is the head coach at Maryland. We trust him. And you thought, okay, that means a good number of kids from the area are going to start coming to Maryland and we said oh this class in 2020 recruiting in Maryland is spectacularly good a lot of these guys of course have been recruited by bigger schools that's not a surprise but you figured Maryland would get a couple of them and now their four top rated recruits are not from the area and a lot of these guys that have been recruited recently are also not from the area so there's a lot that gets into this discussion, and some of it comes to how damaged is the program and how much can Mike Loxley do without, you know, actually having played football games. How much of it is, well, these coaches will like it a lot more if we send our kids to Georgia and Alabama and Clemson as opposed to Maryland. So there's a lot of interesting dynamics that go into play here, and I want to hear your thoughts about it because, you know, if you're sold, oh, Mike Loxley's going to get us all the kids in this area, particularly in the, you know, once-in-a-generation recruiting class, and then that hasn't happened, you go, well, wait a second, what's going on here? How much of that's Loxley? How much of that is the program? And how much is that, you know, maybe these coaches don't get quite the reputation if they're sending kids to Maryland as opposed to sending them to be third-stringers at Alabama? Yeah, I think it really is kind of a case-by-case thing. So Maryland's first three, four commits in this cycle included a DeMatha kid, Jordan White, and kid from St. Francis. So, you know, those are schools that for a long time, Maryland kind of struggled to get. And DJ Durkin and his staff did a decent job of getting guys from those, from those programs. Um, and so it's not like those pipelines are dry, but still a lot of the top rated players in Maryland and in DC, I think 13 of the top 15 players in Maryland have committed elsewhere already. And the other two, one has a crystal ball to Michigan. Gross. One has a crystal ball to Penn state. Grosser. Another one has a crystal ball to Penn state. Grosser. That's three of the top 15 that haven't committed, but Maryland's not in at this point. And then if you go down even further, um, geez, again, a lot of them, like the highest rated is 25th. There are guys on the board that are going to Syracuse, Virginia, and Pittsburgh that are higher rated than Maryland's highest rated recruit from the state of Maryland in this class. I don't have DC in front of me, but that seems like something you wouldn't expect when Mike Loxley comes in. And I understand that there's a lot of damage with the Maryland program that has to be fixed. And he also has to prove it on the field. He hasn't done it yet, but you'd think that Mike Loxley of all the people 
who can go into those, you know, those high schools and get the kids, it'd be him. And if this becomes a trend, we have no way of knowing whether it's becoming a trend and check back in a year or two to figure out the answer to that question. Well, then you're wondering, well, um, if he can't get the kids from Maryland and the DMV to go to Maryland, then who can? Yeah, I mean, I'm not super worried about it long term, I don't think. I think a lot of it is, in this case, yeah, like the program's been through a lot and those who are in the area have kind of seen it up close. And and also Loxley pulled guys late uh, in the last couple of recruiting cycles and he'll be he'll be kind of working the lines late. So it, it wouldn't be a total stunner to see a flip somewhere. I don't have an obvious candidate for you right now, but um, yeah, I mean, there are still, there are still guys out there. And I think a lot of it is that, you know, Loxley came in in December, 2018 and a lot of the 2020 kids have been hearing from these other schools for a long time. And it already kind of, you know, moved past Maryland a little bit or, you know, all these guys, when, when all the blue bloods are coming, it's easy to, you know, to fall in love with at least one of them, you know, Ohio State, Bama, Georgia, Penn State, Clemson, Clemson, more Clemson. I think, yeah, a lot, a lot of Clemson, a lot, um, lot of Clemson, a lot, lot of Clemson. Clemson. Good thing Maryland got out when they did. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, I will say this. It is quite possible that some of these players end up being third stringers at these schools and then coming back to Maryland a year later or two years later. That's basically what Mike Loxley did in the transfer market. And I think it is entirely reasonable to expect that that could happen again. And also, he's going to get a couple of guys from this area in the class as we go down the line. By December, I almost guarantee you there will be some. I understand why it's not happening now, but you think when you hear Mike Loxley's name and you hear his reputation and you basically hire him because of that reputation, his actual coaching in many ways leaves something to be desired. He's not perfect in that regard. You would have expected a little bit more from this area to happen sooner. And I can understand why a Maryland fan might have said that or might have thought that. I think you got to be patient, of course, but it is an interesting discussion to have, and I'm pretty sure it's happening in other places, not just here. I think the curious part of it is that, like, it, it did work right away in the 2019 class. You know, he comes in in December. Isaiah Hazel flips. He was a kid who was, you know, he was past Maryland. He had already kind of, you know, written off the old staff. And Loxley comes in, and he was – Loxley had been trying to recruit into Alabama for a little while. Um, you know, some stuff kind of went down in West Virginia with him as well. But, you know, he's a quick flip, and he's, a, you know, he's immediately the highest-rated – high school wide receiver Maryland's gotten since Stefan Diggs. And then as and, you said there And then the Nick Cross members. who had been Chris, you know, crystal ball to Florida State forever and actually, no he was a commit to Florida State. And you know, a lot of people thought he was going to Penn State and ends up going to Maryland because Mike Loxley and Elijah Brooks did their work. <laughs> it's it's interesting that that you know if it's going to work in 2019, you know, at the very end of the 2019 cycle, that it hasn't worked at this stage in the 2020 cycle. But maybe Locks is just the closer, and we're, you know, he's not done yet. It is, it is a fascinating thing. And of course, as I mentioned, you also get the transfers too, and that's the other big deal with it. And as I said, like he, you don't have to get them necessarily now with the liberalized transfer rules. You can get them down the line, but it is something that it's worth asking, especially now. Uh, Maryland is 33rd in the class of 
everybody right now in terms of 24-7 rankings. They're eighth in the Big Ten. The average ranking is 85.01. If you actually look at the previous year's ranking, overall it was 85.73. How many total commits, since Maryland's got 14 now, how many do you think is going to be in this class overall by the time we're said and done? I think, I mean, most of these classes are probably going to end up being like 22, 23. Maybe a little more, maybe a little less, depending on how else is going on. But a lot of kids have redshirted the last few years. And a lot of the class of, a lot of the 2016 recruits are still redshirt juniors right now. So there's not a ton of seniors on this year's roster. There are a few. Um, So I wouldn't expect like a mega class, but. I do think we'll probably go north of 20, just considering we're at 14 right now. And, you know, I still think a lot of there's going to be a lot to change. There is one other thing about the current roster that we should mention, and I just saw this story earlier today, is that Kasim Hill is not listed on the Maryland football roster as things stand right now, which isn't a surprise, but it is worth noting that that has happened. Yeah, I mean, I he wasn't listed on, you know, either of the spring game rosters or any of, like, he hasn't been around, so it's not a stunner to see that um it what was interesting is to see the freshman numbers and see you know who sneaks into single digits like as a true freshman that's nick cross and lance lejeune get are three you surprised and four by that? no not at all like if i had to guess two guys those are the guys i thought although when lejeune committed he was wearing like on his i think official visit he wore 12 which was an open number for quarterbacks so i i would i honestly expected him to wear that but Four works. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, so so as far as that goes, it's pretty minor, I think. At, at least now, if you look at the roster, there are a couple more punters on it, which we've talked about those guys, uh, Anthony Pecorella, Colton Spangler. They're they're on the roster now, just for you to for you to see that Maryland has punters. It's good news that they have punters. It would have been a bigger problem if they played Iowa again this year, but they do not. Yep. God, I love the Big Ten and punting jokes. I absolutely love the Big Ten and punting jokes. That's well, really the best thing about joining the Big Ten. We'll never, well, other than the money, we'll never get enough of the Big Ten punting jokes. Uh, a couple of other news stories that we need to get into. First of all, uh, you might have seen it a week or two ago with the women's and men's basketball minor penalties and sanctions. Uh, these are interesting, and Thomas... I'm confused, so I'll have you go into it because you probably know more than I do. For the men, it's related to Matt Brady, who is no longer with the school. These were for recruiting violations. No, Matt Brady is with the school. Oh, is he? So this is for, um, this is for like basically coaching he did when he was director of player personnel or player development, whatever. He he was in an off off court role, but kind of couldn't help himself. Like he's a coach. He's a basketball coach, and so he's you know he's always been someone who like helps kids with their form, just helps kids shoot. Like, he's just always been that. And, like, not to make excuses for him. Like, he, this is something he already was suspended for by the University of Maryland. Uh, he was suspended 15 practices and six games, including the exhibition early last year. And so for Maryland, it's just some additional sanctions. They lose a little bit of practice time. They lose um, – I think they have to bring, like, extra compliance people with them wherever they go. And they'll have to sort of check in um, with NCAA people more often. So really not much for Maryland. Like, I think the biggest stuff has already happened with Brady's suspension. The women's basketball team had these little recruiting stuff, you know, these little recruiting things. Uh, Some of their assistants 
just their methods of recruiting were things that were actually out of bounds by NCAA rules. Just like, you know, booklets with players' names on it. Like somehow personalized content. Like that's a thing every school does, but some things are legal, some things aren't. Maryland kind of just got it wrong. Here's a reminder for you. The NCAA sucks. Yeah, I mean, this is less an example of that, more an example of the NCAA is complicated as hell. Or their rules are arcane and stupid and should not be rules. Partially that. With, um, with the, if you read up on the women's stuff, it seems so minor, and they lose a scholarship for it. I think that's, yeah, the scholarship does seem like a very heavy penalty for what that is. Um, but at the same time, it's not, like, they have 12 scholarships this year, I think. They might have the 13th. Um, and they actually don't have any but any recruits committed for 2020, like for any future classes right now. Um, so we'll see just kind of how that all plays out. But, you know, I don't think it's going to really be a hindrance to them, but it is a little annoying to, to have one less scholarship for, well, it does give you know, a chance to make kind of just like these that. honest and very minor mistakes. Like, I, I'm sorry. Like the NCAA in their, in its own statement was like these were definitely minor mistakes, and yet they're punished a scholarship for it. Also, I think one thing that I want to point out before we move on in this, I don't there's there's really not much to say other than this happens, it's annoying, but like things will be fine. Um, is that Maryland did have to put something about the sanctions kind of on its front page. So if you if you I don't know if it's still up, but if you go to the UM Terps homepage and you scroll all the way down in the bottom right corner, there's a link to like the NCAA. There's the NCAA logo. If you click on that, then there's like a link to the press to the NCAA release on this. Oof. So they have to put it somewhere, and they they hit it. They hit it pretty well. I, again, reminder: the NCAA stinks. They're the ones who are talking about, hey, if you allow the players to use their own name, you know, as everybody else can do, as an NCAA athlete, then we're going to ban all of the schools in California from having championship participation. That's the NCAA, everybody. They are dead. Yeah, that doesn't seem like the right answer to that. Uh, no. But then again, the NCAA is an arcane group of morons. Let's talk briefly about uh, changing the coaching staff for the women's basketball team. We're just tying this in nicely in a little bow. Yeah, um, so that shall be the coach that was kind of behind a lot of these these little incidents. Um, she moved on, and, and like she and Marilyn, I think, mutually moved on uh, last summer. And they actually never like officially filled that spot. So Caitlin Fratz um, was sort of an interim assistant coach, and she was just now um, added as – officially an assistant coach um and and really the other staff announcements they had were you know kind of some just off field off court um you know promotions and interims being removed and you know just little uh little stuff there i think the interesting thing is lindsey span a former south carolina guard is joining the staff in in sort of an off court role um she I, I, she actually played against Maryland in College Park for South Carolina a couple of years ago, so she's moving into coaching quickly, and it'll be interesting to see how if she sticks around the program. 
So that summarizes, I think, everything from the world of basketball. A couple little minor things to mention before we head out. How about if you're watching the Premier Lacrosse League? I think I got the title of that league right. You did. Well, I'm glad because I haven't been paying attention. Although we're going to have to rename it after the Terps. Team Maryland All-Stars is dominating After the Whip Snakes. Who would have ever guessed that Team Maryland is winning everything? I mean, you, it really was hard to tell, though, because all the, you know, there's six teams, and you've never seen any of these teams play against each other before. And so, you know, the Maryland roster, like, it was very exciting to see, but you, you really had no idea how it would stack up. And they won three straight games in overtime, and then on Saturday at Homewood Field against the team filled with Hopkins alums and, and all that, they, they won 15-10. Isn't and that just beautiful? They're they're four and zero. It doesn't count towards the rivalry, but it really should. Oh yes, it does. <laughs> you don't think if there's a team versus you know Maryland alums versus Hopkins alums, you don't think it doesn't matter? Yes, it does. Come on. Yeah, so I mean, Hopkins didn't even have enough guys to do like an entire team full of Hopkins for you know for whatever whatever that's. Well, worth. there is the other league that is still going on too at the same time. Yeah, which. I am not going to pretend to know anything about the politics of these two leagues. No, I mean, it's about as simple as dissatisfaction with the first one led to the creation of the second one that seems more likely than not to drive out the first one, but, like, hard to be sure. We have no idea, but, again, Team Maryland winning everything. Who could have ever been surprised with Team Maryland winning everything? Yeah, so they're 4-0, and no one else in the league's better than 500 everyone else is two and two or worse this is also correct speaking of lacrosse i gotta tell you this story about the kid who won the tawaraton from loyola who's now going to play basketball at northwestern when i saw it it made me laugh now you told me that maryland the basketball program was interested in him briefly uh correct yes so was virginia that's also pretty hilarious virginia i think was a lot more seriously interested in him just because it had more scholarships available Hilarious. So he's going to play at Northwestern next year. He won the Tawaraton. There's a couple of things that I love about this. The first of which is, of course, I was going to make a joke, well, if you can't beat him, join him, with, in terms of uh, Maryland playing Loyola, Maryland, lacrosse, which they don't play, so I couldn't make that joke, but Maryland will beat Northwestern in basketball next year. The other shame of it is is that Maryland does not play Northwestern at home. They only play them on the road. The Maryland fans, if they had known that, and I'm pretty sure most of the diehard Maryland fans would have known that, the jokes and the banter towards him would have been hysterical, but we're never going to get to hear that. That's also a shame. And the second portion of this that I love is that we're going to get to hear college basketball announcers butcher the pronouncing of Tawaraton multiple times. Oh, yeah. I'm not even sure what's a better drinking game. How often they mention that he's the Tawaraton winner, the Tawaraton winner for lacrosse, or, the you know, them mispronouncing Tawaraton like I just did. Both, basically. And I'm going to <laughs> yeah, say Yeah, that's a double shot. As Yeah, you'll be dead within the hour. I'll say oh, this, man. at least for announcers. Some by names the, are difficult uh, to Dead pronounce. by the under eight. Oh, yeah, by the under eight. You definitely will. Uh, you have to say that for some announcers, like, you would have not known. If you're a dedicated college basketball announcer or somebody who doesn't really follow lacrosse, you're going to have no idea what this is. And you might not have somebody in the building who could pronounce it for you correctly. But I guarantee you, if you're watching a Northwestern basketball game next year at any time, you're going to hear the name Tuoraton butchered multiple times. Now, yeah, I mean, if they, they like, announcers are still butchering Daryl Morcell's name. So, yeah, 
It's going to happen. Here's the thing. As a play-by-play announcer, and as a play-by-play announcer who has done soccer with somewhat complicated names to do, all you have to do is ask. They're going to be very helpful, these, you know, these SIDs, these people. They want you to get it right. Yeah. That's all you have Especially to do. Especially if you're doing TV. Especially if you're, well, depends on, I mean, like, Northwestern's going to be playing a lot of BTN specials, so it's quite possible that not a lot of people are going to watch. But in, in the instance of which that wasn't the case, can you imagine Bill Raftery trying to say Tuoraton? I can't really imagine Bill Raftery, like, using lacrosse lingo to talk about Pat Spencer. Well, you know, we did talk about how much Mel Kuypers loves Maryland women's lacrosse, but now we're going to get the crossover in the other direction. Yeah, just really exciting stuff. It's a shame he won't come to College Park. I mean, as I said, the banter would have been spectacular. Yeah. Because you know the He was also so damn good at lacrosse. Oh, my goodness. But then, again, you wonder, like, how do those skills translate to to basketball? And I have no idea. So it's one of those – I mean, he was, like, good enough, obviously, to play at this level in basketball. You know, it's one thing he can dunk. You know, he can can between the legs dunk. He's got good handles – you know, if he, as, I'm, I'm pretty sure he still has somewhat of a shot. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll see how his game translates. Northwestern, though. Yeah, Northwestern will have a role for him because they don't have a lot of guys. They don't have a lot of guys right now. Because they're not good. You can say it. <laughs> it's. I just. I love that story. It made me laugh when I saw it. And then I had to actually go back through multiple years of Maryland men's lacrosse schedules to see whether they played Loyola, and they haven't. No, I mean, I mean that's something I think I talked about when they played uh, Towson. Is that Towson and Loyola Maryland are the two schools that you would think would be on the schedule a lot more, but they haven't been. I mean, Towson was a thing that they took off the schedule when Tillman came to try and go a little more national. Um, I don't even know when was the last time they played Loyola. I I can imagine why you don't want to you know play those kinds of schools and then lose to them. Can understand that because that's recruiting stuff, but. I mean, it's less that. I think it's more just, you know, they didn't at the time. I think both Towson and Loyola got a lot better in the last few years as programs. It's true. So, but anyway, get so ready they're for... they're much more attractive as an addition to your schedule, you know, now than they were then. Well, anyway, get ready for the best butchering of Tuaraton you've ever heard. <laughs> oh yes. And how funny it will be when the butchering of Tuaraton comes when they play Maryland. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be great. I love that story, and you're not going to see anything else like this ever again. Yeah, I mean, I don't... It's it's not really a story that I remember anything really like it. Um, you know, and it's been kind of an under-the-radar story, too. Until you hear about it on every Northwestern basketball broadcast. Yeah, it's one of those, obviously. like, it's interesting enough that you'll hear it all the time. Oh, and I it's something you heard about as a, as a play-by-play announcer, as somebody who always over-prepares and always looks yeah. for little things to add in when you need it, that's the kind of note that everyone's going to talk about, and then you're going to be like, I've heard it. It's For me, it would be a thing that I would bring in the first time you talk about the player, and then you don't mention it again. But it's something that will be mentioned during every Northwestern basketball Yeah, I think it really just year. depends on what kind of season he has. Like, if he makes a name for himself in basketball, then you'll mostly talk about that. Um, I don't think so, because, let's be honest, I mean, it's not because just lacrosse isn't a big sport. I mean, Northwestern does not have a men's lacrosse program. They do have a women's lacrosse program. But, I mean, it'll get mentioned here, because, you know, duh. 
but it might not get mentioned on because you know the Big Ten's not exactly what you call a cross country. Oh, it's decent in cross country. I mean, it, well, it's one of it's the kind of thing it, it'll be mentioned everywhere. Not. Fair enough. Half of the Big the Big Ten East, maybe the Big Ten West, probably not. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, that's mostly it. Uh, Zach Steffen, you wanted to talk about. I mean, what? Captain America, Zach Steffen. He kept clean sheets against Guyana, who stinks, and Trinidad, who is somehow worse. I mean, I've been a fan of Zach Steffen forever. I don't think there's any need to dissect this game. He's not had to do all that much. Uh, He's been playing for Fortuna Dusseldorf in the Bundesliga, a team that's going to have a long fight to stave off relegation next year. Because Man City can't play him for soccer reasons that are much too difficult to explain to people who don't care about soccer, particularly don't care about the Premier League or UK work permits. When I tell you that uh, you see the NCAA's arcane, the work permit rules to get Zach Steffen to play at England this coming year are also incredibly arcane and stupid. So I'm not going to explain them for the sake of sanity. But, yes, he is awesome. Captain America. He did wear the captain. That's really the whole thing. That's that's what we needed to talk about. Like, sure, he, yeah, he keeps clean sheets. He always does that. Captain's armband, is he's the only second turp ever to do that with Graham Zussi. That's right. Graham Zussi must have done that once. He did. And Taylor Twelman never did that. That's a shame. Yeah, that's that's a little surprising. I guess Landon Donovan had that most of the time. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, you had other guys at that time who could have been wearing the captain's yeah, armband. That's Plenty it. of them, not just Landon. I mean, <laughs> that's another discussion for another day. But yeah. uh, yes, Zach Steffen wore the captain's armband. Who knows what's going to happen when he plays the upcoming games? But I'll get to see him in person because I'm going to be covering the game when they play in Philly. So that'll be nice. Yeah, and that's, that's really it. Um, you want to mention some of the stuff? You were doing some of those preview pieces, as we said, State of the Program. Women's basketball was up there. Yeah, so we're still doing State of the Program. Um, by probably this time next week, we'll have done men's basketball, and that's going to – I don't know. That's going to be interesting. <laughs> it's going to be a fun one because what some people think about the State of the Program is going to be quite different to what other people think about the State of the Program. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the – you know, football and basketball are just, I think, more than anything, the one that people kind of debate over what the program should be. You know, a team like men's soccer or field hockey, they're one of the premier programs in the country. And they're not always one of the best teams, but they're a very good program. And they have this Hall of Fame coach and, and all of that. Um, basketball is, you know, it's it's a level or two down right now, but they're very good and this team's going to be good. And like what, what, what's the bare minimum? What's the ceiling? It's it's fascinating. Football, the same kind of thing. They've done a lot of hitting the reset button, but you know what's the ceiling? What's the floor? Is this going to work? Who knows? And the women's basketball preview, obviously interesting, because you title it. They haven't had this much talent in quite a long time. They really haven't. I mean, it's it's one of those years. Um, you know, my sophomore year, so the 2017 season, where they had Jones and Walker Kimbrough back. And they had the number one recruiting class coming in. That was the year that you kind of circled as, you know, the year they were supposed to be really good. And that was the year they – UConn came to College Park. Happened. Yeah, so Sabria Ionescu became Sabrina Ionescu that, like, that week, that tournament. It was annoying. Yes, it was. They've gotten Kelsey Plum, Sabrina Ionescu, and uh, Michaela Onionward. Oh, and um, Kelsey Mitchell. <laughs> 
That didn't happen in the NCAA tournament. That happened in no. the Big Ten tournament. Mitchell and Gustafson happened in the Big Ten tournament. Well, that still counts, though. Yeah. And you also and have, of course, all the football position group stuff still going on. I think we're in wide receivers now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's an interesting uh, interesting group with, like, just just looking through the stats for those guys, like, and how little, like, Maryland completed 125 passes in 12 games. That's it's amazing for a team that's not even like a triple option team like it's it's just incredible to see it's Rutgers bad um not quite Rutgers tried to throw more did they yeah I didn't notice I don't know how the I don't know how the completion percentages worked out like Maryland ran the ball two-thirds of the time well yeah because they had good running backs yeah and they still do they still do very much have good running backs. Uh, yeah, and so the wide receiver group, there's like one senior and no juniors because all the sophomores are redshirt sophomores. Because all the juniors are redshirt sophomores. Amazing. So, right? really interesting group. Yes, we can't wait to continue on with these position groups. They're going to be coming out to another state of program. Lots of good stuff for Testudo times. And when Maryland gets six more commitments in a week for football, or maybe three, then there'll be another podcast, perhaps. Yep. We'll have a summer league podcast. Until until Bruno Fernando dunks on someone and ends someone's life in summer league, which Lord willing, let us see that happen, and then we'll oh, spend please. thirty minutes on it. Yep. Who would you like him to dunk on in summer league to just end someone's life for the sake? Oh, of you life? wanted Zion, didn't you? I did want Zion because you know that was the. Fan. Would it be? Would it be less? I mean, how much of the sting? You know, of the like triumph would be taken out of that. If I it mean, was it would Hawks be different. It would still be Maryland dunking on Duke, but as I said, the, the fantasy was it happening during the NCAA tournament, which we were two games away from it happening if yeah. Maryland had beaten LSU and then somehow beaten Michigan State. But if it happened, then that, as I said, that would have been the end. Yeah. It's still great to think about, but there's got to be some other players in Summer League that would have been fun to dunk on, but I can't think of those. And i got to be honest, I'm not going to be watching a lot of Summer League. I'll watch a little. I'll watch, watch the Hawks. Little. That's about it. We'll watch the Hawks. Yes. On this Atlanta Hawks podcast. Which I don't I don't think Herger's going to play Summer League, like, established. I don't think he needs to. No. I mean, Lehman has played Summer League, like, three years in a row. So, I don't know if, I don't know if he'll be back. He but... will send a qualifying offer, by the way. So, he is still. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's going to be in Summer League. I don't think so. He's probably no. too old for Summer League at this point. I mean, maybe. He played last year. <laughs> Well, I don't know what the age cutoff is. Somebody like I don't know that. if there is one. It's possible. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to a podcast that, once again, even though it's in June, somehow lasted 50 minutes. Wild. That's without the ads, by the way. With the ads, it'll be longer. Thank you for downloading the show, by the way. Hopefully it makes us money. We'll see. Yes. Thank you very much for listening. Go Bruno Fernando. Go Hawks. Oh, God, I can't believe I just said that. Until later, of course. Go Terps.